0: Good morning. I want to thank um, Matt for the the kind words and all that stuff. And I, 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 you know, I'm the kind of speaker that usually when I get up here, I want to say something funny or kind of get you engaged. But I want to say something a little bit different this time. I know kind of what Seeming Covenant Church is going through. And just talking to some of the staff this morning and all that stuff, I've been in this situation before. It's an elephant in the room, and I know it's uncomfortable, and everybody wants to know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. But as somebody who's been in that position before, I applaud you for recognizing one of your staff members because the staff members are the ones that really, I don't know if suffer is the right word, but the staff members are the ones that are in the thick of it, and they're the ones that kind of feel the burden, and they're the ones that kind of take a lot of the heat And so my encouragement to you is that you continue to take care of your staff people. Matt, Jay, Christy, and Christy, um, it's not easy. I'm not going to lie to you. It is not easy to be in the position that they're in. Uh, They're giving everything that they have and everything that they are because they love God and because they love this church. And so as a church, I recommend that you continue to love them back tenfold. Um, so what I want to do right now is my lovely wife and my lovely, well, youngest son, I don't know if I want to call him lovely, but they're going to come up here and they're going to get some stuff set up for me because I'm a visual guy. Anybody here learn best by seeing? I'm a visual guy. I rarely ever speak, be it in a school, a speech, a sermon, I rarely ever speak without have, having something for you to look at. So that's the, kind of, that's the kind of guy that I am. So they're going to bring up some stuff here. And before you get all excited or disappointed, yes, this is a Dodger bag. I am not talking about how to deal with the most difficult disappointments in life today. That's a different sermon. Okay? Anybody else with me on that one? Yeah? It was a very bad thing for me when I watched the the first playoff game after the Dodgers because I did not care one bit about the game, and it really bothered me. Okay? But... You know what? Two Dodger fans are two Dodger fans, whether they're good or whether they're bad. Okay? I'm not a bandwagon guy. I am a diehard Dodger fan guy. They won the World Series when I was a freshman in high school, and they will do it again before I die, I hope. Alright. <laughs> so, speaking of speaking of high school, so I talked about my, my wife and my younger son as they came up. My youngest son is now fourteen. And he uh, He plays for his his junior high basketball team, and I was picking him up the other day from school to take him to his basketball game, and he said, Dad, we got our jerseys today, and they are so ugly. They're so old. And I said, they're old? What do you mean they're old? He's like, they're like from the 90s. And I said, the 90s? That's not old. But then if you actually do the math, that was a little while ago, to be honest with you. So what I want to do is I was told when I was asked if I, if I would preach that you guys are doing a series on spiritual habits. And so there are all kinds of spiritual habits out there. And what God led me to was the fruit of the Spirit, which I'm going to talk about this morning. And as I started getting into it, I realized there is no way I'm going to have enough time to get to all of the fruit of the Spirit. That was my plan, and I have all the fruit of the Spirit lifted there. But as far as digging into it this morning, we're only going to get through four of them. I could easily do an entire series on the food of the Spirit, and it would take two months. All right? But trying to condense it down into one just wasn't going to happen. But to kind of set the stage for the food of the Spirit, I have some things in my bag here, and they all have something in common. And I want you to try to figure out what is the, what is the universal commonality of these items here. First thing is a banana. I hate bananas. I don't like the smell of them. I don't like the feel of them, they're slimy, they make old people slip and fall, they're just not good news, okay? But there was a time when my wife was pregnant with our oldest son, who's a marine now and he's married, okay? Uh, I was forcing her to eat healthy because she had to take care of my son, right? So I'd make her eat these disgusting, like, celery sticks with peanut butter on them. And one night she said, you know what, if you're going to force me to eat healthy, you're going to eat healthy too. You're going to eat a banana. And so... Somehow she forced me to get a banana into my mouth and I bit down on that soggy sponge and I almost threw up right in front of her. And she, she's very pregnant at the time and she almost threw up because of that and she said, okay, never mind, you can eat whatever you want. Okay? <laughs> you don't have to eat healthy anymore. So, banana. is no, Anybody else here not like bananas? Alright, you guys are my favorite people. Okay. Next is a lunchbox. Yes, dodgy lunchbox. This was a giveaway a long time ago. Now, how many of you remember when you were kids, I don't think it's this way, anymore, but when we were kids, having a cool lunchbox was like, you know, Star Wars, Dukes of Hazzard, and that was kind of the big thing. What kind of lunchbox does Joe have when he, when he comes to school? What kind of lunchbox does Susan have? My Little Pony, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's not that big of a deal anymore, but it does fit into the category of what I'm talking about this morning. So, anybody want to tie a guess yet? I didn't think so. Okay. Next is a bag of cleaning wipes, okay? Are any of you out there clean freaks? You just like your house to be clean? No? All right, I'll be my own guy there. I am, okay? My family knows that when I'm home and I'm off for three days, the house is gonna be clean before I leave. It is almost never clean when I get back, but it will be clean before I leave. I'm just kidding. You guys do your your part. But cleaning wipes, and these things are awesome because you take them out, you wipe it down, you throw it away. You don't have to worry about spray bottles or or wasting paper towels or anything like that. So there's cleaning wipes. And last but not least, how many of you like Mary Poppins? Okay. Not going to lie to you, I am not a Mary Poppins kind of a guy. Okay. I am a Remember the Titans kind of a guy. All right. So just bear in mind that, remember, the Titans is inside of there, all right? So those are my, that is my kind of movie. I will watch those, you know, Mary Poppins-type movies, just not my first preference, okay? So those are my four items here. Does anybody want to take a wild guess as to what the universal, what's, what's common in all of these things? Gotta open them. What? Gotta open them. Okay, got to open them, all right? What else? I'm just going to easy for you, okay? I don't want to put you in a tough spot. Every single one of these items here has an exterior of some kind, but what's most important is what's on the inside, right? The banana peel doesn't do much other than cause problems, okay? But what's inside is what's important. That's what you're going after. Lunchbox, you can have whatever you want out here, but you know what we actually have in here? We don't have food. This is our first aid kit in our garage, okay? It's what's inside that's most important. Okay, cleaning white bag, as soon as I'm done with this, do I, keep the, do I keep this? You throw it away. It's the stuff that's inside that's most important. Mary Poppins, you can put the cover on there, but this is what I care about is what's in here. Okay. Remember the Titans, that is my, that is my cup of tea. So for all of these things, it's what's inside that counts. And when we're talking about the food of the Spirit, it's what's inside of you that counts. You can act and do things on the outside, but you're not fooling God, and you're not fooling yourself if you're not right on the inside. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is about. So we're going to dig into it a little bit here. In the book of John, Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. And he says, in in, in a summary, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and he who remains in me will bear much fruit. All right, now, we don't have to have a tree here for me to cut off a, if we had an orange tree and I cut off the branch of the orange tree and threw it on the ground all of us in here understand that that branch on the ground is no longer going to produce oranges right if it did that would be weird but have you any of you have fruit trees in your backyard or, or and they just don't stop right they're just all year long you hear them falling on the ground I remember we lived somewhere one time and I hated nectarines for the rest of my life because I remember I still have that smell of rotting nectarines in my nose Okay? But in order for a fruit to be born, it has to remain a part of the central figure, the tree or the vine. So in all this fruit of the Spirit that we're about to talk about right now, none of it is going to matter if you're not connected to Jesus. All right? That's the basis of the fruit of the Spirit. Now what I would like to do is, I, I, as I said, I'm not going to get through all of the fruit of the Spirit today. I'm going to get through four, and I've got to tell you something. I've heard other pastors say this before, and it has never been more true of me than right now. I've heard pastors say, you know what, it's it's weird when you're getting ready to preach about something, and the things that you're preaching on, God throws in your face sometime in the week or two before that. Every single fruit that I'm about to talk about this morning hit me with in some way in the past two weeks. Now, I'm not going to be able to talk about all of them for lack of time, but I'm just telling you, when you start focusing on this and you start asking God for help and you start wanting to get better, just be prepared. God knows what He's doing and He's going to put those situations in front of you. So we have food of the Spirit. Food is good for you. All right? And on the back of your bulletin, as he said, there's some fill-in-the-blank sections if you want uh, to to go along with that. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and look at the actual passage of the food of the Spirit from Galatians. But the food of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, forbearance, or some of your Bibles will say patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, if you are a person and you think you perfectly exhibit every single one of those fruit, raise your hand, nobody, right? Not myself, not anybody in this room. And what I love about this is because when we talk about the Bible being alive today and always relevant, this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about right here. None of us are ever going to be perfect in this aspect. But we can always work towards being better. So let's go ahead and start diving into the fruit of the Spirit. And I realize this is a little bit small up there, but you can read it on the back of your bulletin, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the answers as well verbally. So love is the first Food of the Spirit. Love, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the answers right now. Love isn't just a feeling. Love is an action. Now there's a difference there, right? Because there's the butterfly in your stomach, I have a crush on you type love. That's one type of love, right? That's not the kind of love that the food of the Spirit is talking about. The food of the Spirit is not about having a crush on a girl or a boy or getting those nervous butterflies in your stomach. The food of the Spirit love is is an action now my lovely wife and i have been married for 22 years okay (laughs) something like that Um, and uh, one thing that i've learned over a long period of time not not the hard way to learn but one thing i have learned is you can say you love somebody a million times but it doesn't mean anything unless what unless you act like it right if I said to her, I love you every day, but my actions said completely the opposite thing, which one is she going to believe? She's going to believe my actions, right? Actions speak louder than words. So if we say we love God, if we say we love people, but we don't act on it, are we fulfilling the fruit of the Spirit? No, we are not, okay? Now, Christianity is about relationships. I, I don't put the verse up here because there's so many of them. Anytime you are reading the Bible and you come across something where Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about it, almost word for word, what does that tell you? That tells you that that's something pretty important. It got put in there three different times and sometimes all the way into John it gets put in there too. Anytime you see the same thing in all three or four of them, pay close attention because you know that's something important. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus says this. What is the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Christianity is about your relationship with God, and Christianity is about your relationship with others. And if we don't act on that love, and whatever that means to you, if we don't act on it, we did it this morning when we, when we recognized Christy and we gave her a nice dinner out and we, and we thanked her for her service. That is an act of love. Any of you out there that have season tickets to the Clippers, okay? Offer them to Matt. Offer them to somebody who is a teacher in the preschool, Okay? Just send somebody a gift card and send them out to have a good time with their wife or their their husband or whatever the case may be. Act on your love. Because if we don't act on it, the word love doesn't mean anything. So that's love right there. Second one, so we've got love. The next one is joy. Joy is not just a feeling, it's an attitude. Okay, there's a difference there, right? You can have a feeling of joy, oh, it's Christmas morning, I'm joyful, and then you can have an attitude of joy. All right, now, I've told you before that uh, my family is a very big baseball family. All four of my sons have played baseball at some point. My third one is sitting over there, is actually a starting pitcher on the Royal JV baseball team right now. Uh, we are die-hard baseball fans, and, and I've coached a lot of teams over the years, and the, last year I coached two different teams, we call ourselves the Simi Strike, and I decided in that year I wasn't just going to teach baseball, I was going to teach life, and I, I had 27 families with kids on two different teams that I was coaching, and every week we had a word of the week, commitment, integrity, all that kind of stuff, and I took that, I, I kind of made that team my, my ministry, They didn't realize it, but they were getting fed Bible stuff from a baseball coach. No idea it was coming from the Bible. All right. But one of the things I talked about was this thing right here called attitude. All right. Now, Joey, my youngest one, this morning, he said, hey, do I get to do anything in your sermon today? And I said, not really. And he said, why? So he likes to be a part of it. So, Joey, I'm going to let you participate right now, okay? In my, on my baseball team, we have, we have a phrase that says there are only two things on the baseball field that you can control. I hope Joey remembers this, because otherwise I'm going to look really bad. Okay? <laughs> there are only two things that you have control over on the baseball field. What are they, Joey? Attitude and effort. The only two things you have control over on a baseball field. You have no control over what pitch the guy's going to throw to you. You have no control over what the umpire is going to say. You have no control over where the coach is going to put you to play. You have no control if the coach is going to have you steal or not. The only two things you have control over are your attitude and your effort. And I I told my team this because not only does it apply on the baseball field, how many of you would argue it applies everywhere in your life? When you're at work, when you're with your family, when you're on vacation, when you're at church, when you're going through tough times, the only thing you really have control over is what? Your attitude and your effort. And that is what this thing of joy is talking about. Joy is talking about your attitude. The other thing I would tell my baseball team is this. Yes, and again, these are a bunch of guys, so I talk about men. I'm not trying to like, ignore women, but I'm talking about men. The two character of a man, I would tell them, the true character of a man is revealed when you strike out, not when you hit a home run. You understand that? The true measure of a man comes out when things are not going your way. The way you act, the way you behave, the way you carry yourself when things are not going your way carries more weight than how you act when things are going your way. So in other words, How you act after you strike out on your way back to the dugout says more about who you really are than how you act after you hit a grand slam. Everybody's in a good mood when you hit a grand slam, right? Everybody's in a good mood when you get that promotion. Everybody's in a good mood when things are hunky-gory. But you know what? If you want to stand out as a Christian, the the ones that are going to notice are the ones that Have a positive attitude no matter what is going on. And again, my wife will back me up on this. I am not good at this. I am not good at having an attitude of joy when things are not going my way. Okay, that's me. How many of you out there are kind of the same way? Okay. A lot of us, I think, are, right? But it's not something that we can't work on. It's not something that we can ignore either. Okay. If we want to have an attitude of joy, it's going to take some work. And it's not going to be easy. But you know what? I don't ever remember the Bible telling me that Christianity was going to be easy. Christianity is hard work. okay? And if you really care about it and you really want to be good at it, it's going to take some work and it's going to take some practice. I have a, verse, a couple of verses up here it's from James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now stop right there that sentence makes almost no sense, right? If all you did was look at that sentence, consider it joy whenever you face trials. It's human nature to not be be happy when you face trials, right? But the Bible's telling us, consider it joy when you face trials because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. We're not going to get that perseverance side if we can't figure out how to be in a joyful attitude when things are not going our way. Again, the way you act when things are not going your way, when you don't get that promotion, when somebody else does that hasn't been there as long as you, when your marriage isn't going as well as somebody else's, when you, whatever's going on in life, the way you act and the way you behave and the way you carry yourself, when things aren't perfect, says more about who you really are. And the ones that do it right are the ones that people come up to you and say, what is it about you? There's something positively different about you. And now you've opened the door to talk about Jesus. Okay, so let's move on. I want to get through this so I don't run out of time here. and I want you guys to get to the buffet before the baptists do. So, all right, peace is the next one. Peace. Peace is not an answer. Peace is a state of mind. Now, when we think of peace, we think all the problems are taken care of. I can sit back on my hammock and enjoy my, my lemonade while I get a tan. That's what we think of peace, right? And that's not the kind of peace that we're talking about here in the Bible. All right? Now, I'm going to go ahead and we have a verse here. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now, when I read that verse, again, this is one of those weird, contradic- kind of contradictory things. It says, I'm giving you peace, do not be afraid. All right? And the kind of peace we think about is everything's good. Why would I be afraid? I'm at peace with the world. Everything's good. Why would I be afraid? But that's not what this is saying. The peace I give you is the peace of knowing that I'm in control and you just need to relax and realize that I'm the one who's in control and you're not. How many of you have a hard time letting somebody else be in control of something that you care about? Anybody? Yes? A lot of us are in this room, right? And you know what? That is even so with God. A lot of us have trouble letting go and saying, okay God, you do it the way you want to do it. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be at peace with it. That's not easy to do, is it? It's almost anti-human to 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 do that. It's something we have to work on and it's something we have to train ourselves for. We have another verse here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now, does that say anything about Get down and get dirty. Get moving. Get your work done. Dig clock. Doesn't say anything of that, does it? All it says is trust in the Lord and he will make your path straight. It doesn't tell you you have to do anything other than trust. Okay? Be at peace in knowing that God is in control. And next one is patience. All right. Patience is a virtue. Now I actually looked up The definition of virtue, because I wanted to make sure I hit this right. You know, this is a very popular phrase. But virtue, and here's some of the definitions I got. Definition of virtue. Behavior showing high moral standards. Another definition. The quality of being morally good. And last, the quality of how well you do something. How many of you would say that in some area of your life you are not a patient person? All of us in here, right? There's some area in our life where we just are not patient. I, 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 the last definition I gave you, the quality of how well you do something, that implies that patience takes work, right? We are not born patient, right? I've got another bag of stuff here. I want to I talk about this. We are not born patient, how many of you, when you were a baby, it's not that you can remember this, but how many of you, when you were a baby, woke up one day and you were just starving to death and, and all you did was sit there and cry? Anybody? Okay. I love those Snickers commercials that say, you're not you when you're hungry. Okay. Because when you're hungry, you're impatient. When, when a baby is hungry or wet or tired or whatever, what do they do? They cry. When an adult is hungry, or hopefully not well, but uh, when an adult is hungry or tired or worn out or whatever, what do we do? We cry, we just do it in an adult way, right? Because we're impatient. When we're hungry, we need it and we want it right now and right away, all right? So we are born impatient. So that's one thing we have to work on. But as a society, I'm telling you right now, and I'm going to explain this, as a, as a society, we stink at being patient, right? I mean, I'm going to give you some examples here of how impatient we as a society are. How many of you can remember, and this is before my time, this is before the 90s, Joey, okay? Uh, when you used to go to the gas station, and it was actually called the service station, you'd pull up to the gas tank, and these guys would come running out, and they'd clean your car, and they'd fill up your gas tank and have a nice little conversation with you, and then you kind of drove away, okay? That was a service station. Now, you're lucky if you got two people working at the gas station when you show up, right? So I have here just a picture of the Chevron gas sign, okay? Because what happens now? You drive up. Sometimes you don't even have to get out of your car. If you have kids like me, you make them do it. Okay, but all they do is take your car out, put it in, put the gas in, you're in your car, you go away. We don't have, we don't have time to sit around and, and have our cars serviced and have a conversation with these nice guys who are cleaning our windows while we're getting gas. Wouldn't it be nice if, you, if our windows were cleaned every time we went and got gas? That would be nice, wouldn't it? But we're too impatient. We, we, we don't have time for it anymore, all right? Next, I, I can't find it now, but I had a, I had a fast food bag, out had a McDonald's bag right here, okay? And you know what? How many of you like fast food, okay? Why was fast food invented? Anybody know? Because we wanted food fast. We didn't want to have to go sit down in the Outback Steakhouse and have an appetizer and wait for our soup to come out, have some bread, order our food, get out. We didn't want to, we we started wanting it faster. So McDonald's came on and Carl's Jr. and Jack in the Box and Taco Bell and Arby's. And oh my goodness. How many of these places are there out there? But you know what's happened now? What's happened now? Now you can take your phone out and you can right now go, I'm going to go uh, from church. I'm going to go over to Subway and this is the sandwich I want and this is what I want on it and this boom, boom, boom. I can pay for it and then I can drive over there. It's going to be sitting there. I just pick it up and walk out, okay? Fast food isn't even fast enough anymore, <laughs> right? Right? And not only that, I didn't realize this. I'm I'm kind of late on the new technology stuff every time something comes out. Like when video games come out, I tend to get the system like 10 years later. Uh, But now you can actually order fast food and it gets delivered to your house. You don't have to leave your house to get your fast food anymore. That's how impatient we've become as a society. And the last one is this one right here. Anybody want to guess what's in there? This is a camera, an old camera, okay? Now, how many of you remember way back when, when these are the kind of cameras we had to use, okay? You had to open it and put the film in there and click it and and roll it, and then, I, I heard somebody last week talking about cameras. You know what he said? The first picture that was ever taken and developed, you know, the guy that had the picture taken of him, what he had to do? He had to sit still, sit still for eight hours in order for the picture to kind of get grasped or whatever it was. Okay, and then the whole development process after that, a whole nother thing. But the whole, the whole click, that click was eight hours. And eventually they got it down to 15 minutes. Can you imagine if we had to stop and sit still for 15 minutes to take a selfie? <laughs> okay, 15 minutes. And then this thing came along, right? Oh my goodness, now we can actually click and take a picture right now. The problem was, you can't see the picture you just took, right? You don't get to see it until it gets developed. And a month or two later, you look at it and go, what is that? I don't even remember taking that picture, okay? Okay? And then, what did they get it down to? They got it down to one hour. Right? You take all your pictures, you put it in, you take your film out, you put it in this little plastic tube, you drive it across town to the drugstore, you drop it off, and an hour later you could go back and pick up your treasure. Right? What do we do now? What do we do now? Anybody know? We all have cameras right here, and it's just, it's boom, 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 bouncing signals off satellites, and it's instantaneous. We are not as patient as we used to be. It's not easy, right? It is not easy for us to be patient. What are some of the things we get impatient with? We get impatient with our kids. We get impatient with our spouse. We get impatient with our parents. We get impatient with our coworkers, our bosses, our friends, uh, people, who are, people who are driving in front of us, people who are taking too long to pay at the checkout counter. We get impatient with everything. And the other thing we all get impatient with and again, I'm guilty of this too, is patient and waiting for God's plan to roll out. All right? And again, what what Semi Covenant is going through right now, I know what it's like to have a search process and all the ups and downs involved with that. God is going to require us to be patient, and it's not going to be easy. All right? There's a movie, I have a list of, of my favorite movies of all time. Remember the Titans is in the top five, Mary Poppins is not, okay? But remember the Titans is in the top five. Another one that's in the top five for me is a movie called Evan Almighty. Anybody seen Evan Almighty? Evan Almighty is basically a contemporary day story about Noah, Noah who built the ark. It's a, In my opinion, it's a perfect picture of what it would look like if Noah happened today, what Noah would go through, what he would how he would feel, what his family had to deal with, the how God operates when he wants you to do something. Evan Almighty is a really good uh, picture of how that happens all right And Noah is played by Steve Carell who's the guy in the office, really funny guy does a really good job playing this. Uh, so next time you have a family movie night I suggest watch Evan Almighty. It's a really good biblical, contemporary Noah story but there's one scene in there that really struck me and I watched it again last night before I went to bed because I wanted to make sure I got it right Noah's family in the movie they kind of, the wife kind of gets kind of scared because he's going kind of kind of loco and people are starting to make fun of him and stuff so she takes her kids and they go off I don't know if they're going to visit her family or whatever and she stops with the kids at a, at a restaurant somewhere And Morgan Freeman is the guy who plays God in this movie. Okay, Morgan Freeman plays God. And Morgan Freeman happens to be the waiter at the restaurant, right? And she has no idea that she's talking to God, right? But God knows exactly who Noah is, and he knows the whole situation, but he's getting her to tell him what she's going through. And he said something that really struck with what I'm talking about this morning, with patience being a virtue. And that is what he, this is what he said. Let me ask you a question. If somebody asks God for patience, do you think that he gives them patience or does he put them in situations where they have to be patient? If somebody asks for courage, do you think he just zaps them and now they're courageous or does he put them in situations where they have to be courageous? See, we don't understand that's the way that God is. God does not just, I want to be patient, boom, you're patient. Okay? It's not like, like curing leprosy. All right? if, if we say, God, make me a patient person. God, make me a joyful person. God, make me a loving person. He's not just going to happen, but he's going to start putting those situations in front of you that force you to think about what you're doing and to do it the way that he wants you to. And that is what being patient is all about. So those are the only four fruit of the Spirit I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to give you the rest of the fill in the blank just so you have it, okay, if you want to do your own Bible study later on, but I do want to say this before I get to the rest of that. I want you to notice the order of the fruit of the Spirit, and I want you to understand that it is very much intentional that they are in the order that they are in, right? Let's say we want to be patient. Let's say you out there, you say, I want to be a more patient person. Guess where it starts? It starts with love, okay? And you work on that aspect. And when you're you're working on love, when your actions of love are are manifested, all of a sudden you start having better attitudes of joy no matter what's going on. And if you have better attitudes of joy, what happens? You're more at peace with what's going on no matter how things are going on. And the more peace you have, guess what? The more patient you become, okay? All the way down this chain. And again, I'm not going to spend the whole time talking about all this, um, but it all starts... With love. Let me give you go ahead and give you the rest of the fruit of the spirit, just so you have it, and uh, we'll go from there. So kindness isn't just oh kindness begins with compassion and leads to action. Okay, now remember everything I said before. You can do nice works for people, but if you don't genuinely care about them, what's on the inside is what really matters. It doesn't matter. You're not fooling anybody. Starts with compassion and then lead to action. Alright? Goodness involves being good and doing good. Goodness involves following the rules, living the way God wanted you to, and doing good. Doing good works for others. If you're only doing good works for others out of obligation or because your parents told you to, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's not what goodness is about. Faithfulness involves being Responsible to God and dependable to people. You want to be faithful to God? You want to be faithful to people. You want to be responsible to God and you want people to be able to, to depend on you as Christ followers. Okay. If there's one area of our life where we cannot fail, if we want to reach people for Christ, is being non-dependable to non-believers. We have to be dependable to them. Gentleness is not weakness. Okay? A lot of people think gentleness is not weakness, but I tell you what, those of us that feel like we're macho, macho men, it takes a strong guy to be gentle, doesn't it? Okay? It's something you got to work on. It's, it's something it, we, we sometimes think of it as a weakness, but as far as the Bible's talking about, gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is hard. It's something you've got to work on, and it's something that requires a different kind of strength. And self-control is not something that you can get by yourself. God does not intend for us to go through our Christian life alone. Right? We have him, but we also have each other's. Love God and love others. If you're struggling with anything, addiction, alcohol, drugs, pornography, uh, marriage problems, whatever it is that that you have a self-control issue with, you're not going to get there by yourself. Okay? Christianity is about relationships. It's about God, and it's about people. God does not expect you to get through anything on your own, nor does he expect you to allow anybody else to go through anything on their own. So, remember, all this food of the Spirit, maybe we'll talk about these other ones another time, but those first four right there, those are are my heavy hitters. And so I want you to just think this week about those four food of the Spirit and find some aspect of your life where you are now this week intentionally going to try to manifest that Spirit. Is it love? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it patience? And don't just say, I'm going to try to be a patient person. That's not how it works, okay? Think of a specific situation, something you can do, something that you know is going to come up, and how you're going to react to it. And remember, everything with the fruit of the Spirit starts with love. Will you pray with me? Dear hey God, we thank you for who you are and for uh, how awesome you are, and we just thank you for giving us the chance to be together this morning, and as we look at spiritual habits, um, Nobody ever said that following you is going to be an easy thing. Following you is going to take some work, and it's going to take us stepping out of our comfort zone and having to deal with stuff and think about how we're acting and how we're we're digesting things that are going on in our life. Lord, help us to be people of love. Help us not just to say that we love you and that we love others, but help us to put that into action. Help us to be people of joy who have a positive attitude no matter what is going on, especially when things are not going our way. Help us to have the peace of mind of knowing that you're in control and that we have to learn how to let go and just know that you know what you're doing and help us to be okay with that. And patience. We are impatient people. There are so many things in our life that we want done now and we want done fast. And that includes your will for our life. Help us, Lord, to be patient and to understand that you are, you are, you are molding us. You are going to put us in situations where we have to be patient. When we find in ourselves in those situations, help us to think about how you want us to to react, how you want us to be, and help us to be good, solid ambassadors for you, for all that you, all the people you put us into contact with in this world. We ask this in your name. Amen.